Hello everyone, I'm Mike Cisneros and this is Cincy Brewcast. Welcome tonight and we'd like to welcome especially everyone that's joining us on Periscope TV. You can go to the iTunes store and download the Periscope.tv app for your iPhone and join us as we broadcast live across the nation and the world our fifth episode of the Cincy Brewcast and joining us as always is the gnarly gnome. Good evening, gnome. Good evening. Gnome is a beer blogger extraordinaire. You can follow him at the at the at the gnarly gnome. 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 How did I forget that? Uh, You can also visit his website, thegnarlygnome.com. Tina Cisneros from Brewer Gastro Pub. Good evening, Tina. Welcome. Good evening. Thank you. And finally, from Mount Carmel Brewing Company, uh, our friend who uh, is joining us for his second brewcast. And we appreciate him dropping by to uh, join us and give his comments. It's Scott Lau. Scott, good evening. Evening. So I think we've got a really, I know it's going to be a fun broadcast because we've got three growlers of beer in front of us here. (laughs) (laughs) And they all come to us uh, courtesy of Urban Artifact Brewing Company and especially their, one of their co-founders and their uh, chief of brewing operations, Brett Coleman Baker. And uh, we have an interview with him and with Josh Elliott, who is their brewer uh, as well. Uh, But first, uh, we're going to go into the beer fridge, and we're going to do it a little bit differently tonight. We received... um, Urban Artifact told me last week that they were... Or two weeks ago that they were going to be doing uh, three flagship beers. And uh, it's been probably widely, uh, widely disseminated. There was going to be a what they call the Harrow Goza. Uh, they were also going to have a Kentucky Common called Maze, and then they were going to have a third beer called uh, the Finn Berliner Pale Ale. And uh, a f- sort of a production, I guess, problem or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the deal was, they did not have the uh, Maze Kentucky Common today when I visited them for our sample beers. But we did run into the Kodiak Sour Brown. And that is in that fancy growler right there. And we're going to try that first. Now, in, our, in my interview, we had, we had, uh, we're going to have it in two parts. And the first part is, um, is uh, Brett Coleman Baker and uh, Josh Elliott describing the three flagship beers. And we're going to play that here in just a moment. They did not describe this, uh, this Kodiak Sour Brown. So what we're going to do is Scott Lau, using his uh, bartender skills, so keenly developed from Mount Carmel Brewing Company, is going to pour out uh, one for each of us, and we're going to taste it. We're going to give you our impressions of it, and then we'll play part of the interview with the guys from Urban Artifact where they describe the maze, the Finn, and the Harrow. And once again, this is the uh, Kodiak Brown, Sour Brown. I like that. You know, you don't think it's, uh, the, the, the aroma of it, you don't think it's going to be sour. And then it is, but it's not. It's not astringently sour or anything like that. It's just got a pleasant, 
that sort of tartness uh, on the back end. It's extremely approachable. It's one of those, um, and I don't know how many of their beers are going to be this way, that they're more to get people into sours, you know, those um, you know, sours with training wheels, I guess. It's, it's tart, but it's not, um, it's not smacky in the face sour. It's definitely sour, though. You do pick up the sour. It's not kind of like, um, you know, it's I, I, it's I wouldn't call it a subtle sour. It's definitely present. But, it, in my view, it still has a lot of the characteristics of a brown. It, right. It's Just still got a, a sweetness to it. You can still have, smell the roast. You can, you can smell the roast and taste the roasted malt. It's real fruity. Yeah. It's, and that aroma just right off the bat is, it smells just like a brown. Uh, this one does not have the deeper roots coffee in it? No, they did mention that there was going to be a coffee um, sour brown. That is, Yeah, that's this beer with the, uh, the deeper roots coffee added to it, which I'm really excited to try that one. I think that sounds like a fun style that I've never seen somebody else do before. So a sour coffee brown. Yes. Wow. You do get a little uh, coffee note to the roast on this. And one of the things that that you'll hear that you'll hear in in, in the interview coming up, excuse me, is uh, they hoping that most, if not all, of their beers have a refreshing quality, and this certainly has a refreshing. Oh, yeah quality you know you generally think of the brown as, as being somewhat heavy because of the dark roasted malt and and this one is real it, it's it's real light it's got a real light flavor so uh you know i think people are going to enjoy this on a warm summer's day down there in their uh, in their beer garden let us now go ahead if you guys have anything else anybody else want to uh let's go ahead now and listen to um Brett Coleman Baker and uh, Josh Elliott uh, describe their uh, other two flagship beers. Uh, well, actually, the three flagship beers, which are going to be the uh, Finn Bearliner Pale Ale, the Harrow Goza, and the uh, Mays Kentucky Common. Uh, so, the interview with the brewers at Urban Artifact here on Cincy Brewcast. What can you tell us about a couple of the specific uh, kinds of beer that you guys? That, that, uh, there's three, I suppose, that are on the uh, that are on the horizon right now. Uh, yes, so we have um, a we're, our main flagships uh, to speak right now are a Goza, which is a salty wheat based um, kind of tart beer, and uh, with a little bit of coriander and um, uh, sea salt. And we are also making something that doesn't really fit into specific dichotomy, called, uh, but we're calling it a Blinner Pale Ale. And it's uh, a Blinner Visa hopped the same way you would a Pale Ale. Um, Without the wheat, though. With it. <laughs> Is it? It's no, no, there's no wheat. No wheat whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so it most, it most, most people relate it most closely to a Berliner Weiss. It's nice and golden. It's a little bit more tart than a lot of our other offerings, but it's hopped like a pale ale. We just, I'm not a big fan of wheat and beers, minus the Goza, so, so we took that out. But it's easier to, to explain to people via what we're calling it, uh, Berliner Pale Ale. 
I see. And then the third one is the Kentucky Common. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a very high adjunct grain uh, beer as far as beers go. It, it is supposed to be reminiscent of what would have been put into sour mash for bourbon. So a lot of rye, corn, and uh, also wheat. Is that one of the ones that you're hoping to be more accessible to the, I guess, novice craft drinker as compared to, because again, you know, Braxton's brewing something called Storm, which surprised the heck out of me. It's, it's that it's a cream ale and it, you know, it's really, I mean, it's really a, a harkens back to a simpler time, I guess, when, you know, that was the kind of beer you'd taste when, when your dad, you know, your dad or even your grandpa is, is so that, so the Kentucky Common is, is sort of, I guess what you could say, your entry-level beer or your gateway gateway beer? I suppose you could say that. It is uh, it is a little bit darker than a traditional cream ale. Um, and it, actually, the style originated in Louisville um, back before Prohibition in the 1800s when coal mining was really big still. Uh, but yeah, it's relatively light on the tart. Uh, it's a little bit darker. I'd, I'd, I'd compare it akin to uh, Yingling in color. Um, and then it's, it's about 30% corn and 20% rye, and then a little bit of other flaked barley in there as well. Um, so it is really adjunct forward, which creates a very crisp, clean tasting beer. So I, I guess you can call it our gateway beer. I think it's fantastically refreshing. I would argue that all the beers, like all, all three that we discussed are, are pretty innocuous. They're or not innocuous, probably not the best word, but... Uh, well, they're, they're, they're light. They're light. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. think it's easy to say that they're light styles. Berliner Weiss, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the ones that... Uh, traditionally, they, they, they put fruit syrups and so forth mm-hmm. like that in it over there, uh, and then and then uh, and then the other one too that goes a, uh, down at I discussed I discussed Old Firehouse before, and and the country boys down there in Williamsburg. That's the one that they like. Uh, that's the one that they sell the most of down there because it's it's the one that's the lightest and the one that reminds them mostly of drinking a Bud Light or whatever. So. Oh, it's super refreshing. It's a fantastic beer, and I'm glad we're rolling out uh, here in the spring when it's about to get hot because that beer is going to sell great. And I, I'm also glad you mentioned syrups. We will actually be making in-house uh, syrups as well for those who uh, maybe aren't the hugest fans of tart flavors or want to kind of balance that tartness with um, some sweetness. And and Woodruff, we're not doing that either. No, no one knows what Woodruff is anymore these days. No one uses oh, yeah, it for that's, cooking. That was the green one, yeah, right? Yeah, that no one green. uses that. So we're... <laughs> We got something special in this place that I think people will be really happy to see, uh, and I don't—you'll never see Woodruff at this place. I don't know what it is. And then, and then, which brings back to what you were talking about growing fruits and so forth, and that's that's what you'll be using that eventually in your syrups, I would assume, and things like that. That's a great idea, but I, <laughs> I actually plan on using them in in barrels of our mixed beers. Uh. But yeah, maybe we'll have to make some syrups out of them too. Well, again, I'll I'll take a ten percent on whatever. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so that was a that was a uh, quick about five minute uh, description that actually came more toward the end of the interview uh, that I have. Uh, we've got about another twenty minutes uh, with uh, Brett and with Josh, uh, but that was uh, about you know about five minutes of their description of uh, their their core beers. Uh, and, um, you know, it was interesting that, that, that uh, in fact, when I went and spoke to him today, he said they had a hop, a hop syrup and a uh, strawberry syrup they were getting ready to produce 
so that people could throw them in, in uh, this Berliner, which we have the Finn Berliner Pale Ale now that we're ready to try. And um, and uh, let's give it a shot. It smells awesome. It does smell awesome. It's got... Uh, it's a yeasty. It's got a little yeast smell to it, I think. A little, a little gum. A little, a little fruit gum, bubble gum flavor, maybe. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the starburst across the, across the table there, and that's that, that's what I'm smelling. Almost. Exactly. And I don't know if it's because I'm looking at it them. Smells, but... You know what it smells like to me, on the nose. It smells like the um, the syrup that the little cups of mandarin oranges come in. <laughs> okay. Smell it. No. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yes. That's the that that's the fruity the fruity flavor I was kind of um, the f- fruity aroma that I was kind of smelling. As far as the taste, I like it. It's nice. And, I mean, it's really clean, just slightly sour. Uh, not 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 even as sour as the as the uh, brown sour that we just had. And again, I'm just picking up the kind of citrusy sort of. It's not fruity. It's not. Su- it's it's fruity. It's but it's not sweet. Uh, I mean, now, when, when they say syrup, this tastes apricot-y. There's a little syrup to it. Very uh, nice mouthfeel for this style. Mm-hmm. Apricots are a good way to describe it. Um, and as far as lawnmower beer, this would be super refreshing. Yeah, I love it. Again, I th- I'm seeing me drinking it by the pool. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. So and again, as I as I mentioned in in my interview with them and so forth, they talked about wanting to have a, a really good lineup of really of really refreshing beers for the hot Cincinnati summer. And that brings us to the last one, which is in the uh, Black Growler there, and that is the I I think it's their what they want to be their their flagship beer, which is the Harrow. Pardon me, Goza. Do we know what a harrow is? It is a farm implement. It, uh, I believe, uh, I, I could look it up real quickly, but it is some sort of a farm implement that... Uh, <laughs> that Scott Loud <laughs> needs right now to open the Yeah, that's what you use to open a growler <laughs> when you're a girly man. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. You're over there doing yeoman duty on your off night, pouring beers. Yeah, that was a struggle. Um, that w- that that growlers, but the beer should be good. It's it's been in there for a couple of weeks, but the beer should still be good. So, don't worry, we'll clean up the table later. <laughs> I, there's a separate interview with me uh, and uh, with with um, the guys. Uh, down at Urban Artifact, where they actually gave me a sample of this right off the bright ta- tank, and I was uh, blown away. So I think you guys hopefully will be blown away. Oh gosh, we cannot be forgetting to, to untap these. Um, let me just quickly mention on social media at Cincy Brewcast on Twitter, Cincy Brewcast on Facebook, uh, at Cincy Brewcast on Instagram. And uh, Cincy Brewcast is our interactive name on Untapped. And um, again, going through the Urban Artifact beers, and this is the Harrow Goza. We're going to give it a shot now. 
got a bready nose. What do you think about that? Smell it. I mean... I think it smells like bread rising. Okay. That's good. It's it's really damn good. That's... that's... <laughs> I'm not familiar with what a goza is supposed to taste like, but I, well, would, I would guess it's somewhere along this line. You've got so many gozas out there that are so tart, and this, you know, it's the, the tartness is there on this, but it's not either, just refreshing. Either too tart or too salty. Right. I mean, I've had a couple of the, the ones since the, since the style came to the forefront that have just been really almost like drinking a, drinking a, you know, remember when your mother used to make you gurgle salt water when you had a... Uh, when you had a sore throat, well, gargle salt water. Well, that it, that's what some of those gozes taste like. But this one is just excellent. We're asking for the growler of the fin. I'm going to put these on untapped, and I uh, can't do it without a picture. <laughs> and uh, just kind of a point that I want to make that strikes me as interesting is these guys are starting a brewery. They've got their three flagship beers, but they're not beers that everyone's doing. They're unique. They're doing a Goza, a Berliner Weiss, and a, a Kentucky Common, which I didn't even know what a Kentucky Common was until I heard him explain it. Uh, so it's really, they're not putting out their IPA and their blonde and their, you know, amber. These are completely different from anything we've seen. And, um, and in the anywhere. in the interview, Brett discusses that that they that you know anybody can turn out another IPA, right. anybody can do another amber, anybody can do another you know whatever stout. It seems like that's what they're trying to do is introduce these different styles that people might not necessarily know about, um, just because they haven't had the opportunity to try them. It's really, really an interesting expansion on. Um, kind of what people already about know about beer and what there is left to know. Uh, the the whole sour market in in Cincinnati is such an untapped market. So I know you've got Rivertown who does wonderful things, but that like you said, there's some styles there that that mm -hmm. people don't know about, don't um, have never been exposed to that I think that are ripe to be. Um, explored right. in the city it's a whole new it's a whole new opportunity for beer education um that yeah other breweries around town aren't really taking advantage of so i think that's really smart of them um really ahead of the curve to kind of make a decision like that and um you know i'll wait till we're we're through with all of our tasting stuff but some of these other styles that are going to be on tap on on the opening on friday there's some really neat stuff that they're doing that really gets me excited to see you know what they do long term. What they've mm -hmm. got sitting in barrels that you know is is going to be ready eventually. It's and how the customers respond to it. it well, how yeah, and people, this you know, know some of these um you know this this goza is got enough tartness there that it's going to kind of push people a little further. And you know the 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 Berliner Pale Ale or the uh, the, um, the Kodiak, you know, just just push people a little bit further out mm -hmm. of their comfort zone so that they're ready for some of these other things. I mean. Uh, their first lambic. I can't wait to try that. You know, after tasting these, right. The, the whole theme is the wild. Uh, as far as it's not just the as far as from the aesthetic that the beers are a little bit more off center than what you would normally get from, especially from a, a new opening. But uh, they'll have uh, live music. They'll have uh, 
more access to food there. The the actual location is very eclectic as far mm -hmm. as the restored church. Yeah, the uh, former uh, St. Pius X uh, Catholic Church over on Blue Rock Street in uh, Northside, an emerging neighborhood in Cincinnati. And I'll tell you what, why don't we, we'll... Uh, we're going to do some of our untapped, and we're going to uh, try some more of the beers and give you a little bit more of our commentary, and then we'll discuss a little bit more about Urban Artifact. But right now, why don't we go ahead and run uh, what's, left of, what's left of our interview uh, with uh, Brett Coleman-Baker and Josh Elliott from Urban Artifact Brewing Company. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Hi again, everybody. Mike Cisneros back with you on the Cincy Brewcast, and right now I'm honored to be joined by a uh, special guest from Urban Artifact Brewing, uh, Brett Coleman Baker, who is the Chief of Brewing Operations. Good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon. Josh Elliott, our, uh, the uh, brewer here at uh, Urban Artifact. Josh, welcome. Good afternoon. And these guys were nice enough to pop open a uh, growler of 50 West, Brett is my co-pilot, that we're enjoying while we're having our little talk here. And... Um, I wanted to ask you guys about the impetus of, of what got you started, what made you want to do a brewery. But first of all, we got to talk about this beer. And this beer is kind of what you're going for, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I've, this is the first time I've had it, and it's delicious. It's tart. It's sour. Uh, I think a lot of people are really going to like this 50 West Bread as my co-pilot. And you guys are going to do all sour beers which to me is a pretty interesting concept. Why don't you talk a little bit about why you wanted to go in that direction? Sure, absolutely. So first, um, <clears throat> cheers to the guys over at 50 West for making this great beer. I agree. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, the reason we wanted to go with uh, sour, tart, and wild beers is because it really just speaks to us uh, as brewers and as creators. Um, so beer... The, the traditional beer, your clean Saccharomyces fermentations, it's been done by a lot of breweries. There's over 3,500 breweries in the country. Um, I think we're coming on like 15 or more in Cincinnati. And most, if not all, cover the, the, the normal basis. Well, we've always had a penchant for, for sour beers, Scott and myself. So when we were first working through our plans of getting going, uh, you know, we focused on what we would want to see our ideal brewery create. So we decided to narrow our focus and all of our knowledge on these sour beers. Um, and we wanted to bring into the fold two Britannomyces and wild beers. So there's just some flavors that don't go well with uh, a lactic tartness. So rather than only have sour beers, we wanted to bring in that wild funk character you get from Brett as well. So that way we can do things that don't necessarily have to be sour. Um, and then we can also, you know, fully express our, our creativity. Uh, Josh, got anything to add to that? Uh, not particularly. I mean, you... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned to you before we started the interview that I spoke to uh, the people at Braxton a couple of weeks ago, ahead of their opening over there in Covington. And I was really somewhat surprised by, uh, uh, by Evan Rouse mentioning something to the effect that they wanted to brew to the tastes of the general public. It's, that's a direct quote. Um, you guys, obviously, not so interested in doing that. Uh, are you hoping to change some minds when it comes to uh, the type of beer you want to brew? That's Yeah, well said. Um, 
<clears throat> if everyone just brewed to the to the general taste of the public, then we'd still have a lot of light American lagers because that was the general taste of the public until the 80s came around or late 70s and craft beer, uh, as it's known today, really started developing. So that being the case, uh, we weren't too afraid to take that leap into something that a lot of people consider a little more niche. So we want to we want to grow and change people's perceptions of what tart and wild beers can be. They don't all have to be teeth scrapingly sour and they don't all have to uh, taste like you're riding a horse through a wet barn. Uh, <laughs> so we wanted to show really what you can do on all ends of the spectrum. So a lot of our flagships are more on that. They're lightly tart. They're very, uh, it's a very clean tartness with a lot of clean yeast flavors. Um, we have one that really pushes hops. We have one that really pushes uh, the malt and corn adjunct flavor to the forefront as well, uh, which I think is heightened too by that little bit of lactic in there. So those are a lot more approachable uh, tart beers on that spectrum, but then we also are pushing it the other way, where we've been capturing mixed cultures out and about in Northside and using those to create your traditional sours that are a little bit more um, biting and a, and a little bit more funky. So we want to cover all those bases in between and really show people what's possible. And a lot of people don't like plunking down $15, $20 on a bottle either for those traditional sours. So with the, the method that we have for our flagship beers and a lot of our seasonal offerings uh, being a modified sour mash, it allows us to produce these sour beers uh, in only a couple more days process time than normal. So it actually allows us to keep the prices depressed too. A lot of brewers talk about uh, give me 15 minutes and tell me what you like and I'll find a beer that you know, you'll like. Do you guys hope to do that here? Absolutely. If, if you don't like beer, we will find you a wild or tart beer that you do like. And if you don't like sour beers, well, we will have a beer that will convert you um, and at least, or at least broaden your horizons. Um, so we talked a little bit about the beer. Let's talk about the beginning. Uh, you, it, you're the one that's a chemical engineer by trade. And were you involved in... Was it you that was involved in veterinary medicine or yes. Some, one of the... Uh, yes, okay. And I found that very interesting because you still get to work with animals, basically, <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about bacteria and, and yeast and so forth. And, for, you know, from a ke chemical engineering standpoint, it's, it's got to be a, a playland for you, this type of thing. Oh, it absolutely is. It's fantastic. Um, and really... Chemical engineering is one of those engineering disciplines where it's a little more nebulous and you really more focus on process flow and beer is all about that process flow. How do you minimize oxygen uptake? How do you keep everything sanitary? All that stuff really plays well to, to my skill set and what I learned uh, not only at school but also in the, my previous careers uh, which have all been focused on the food manufacturer side of things. Uh, so it, it really works well and especially um, running the operations, having that engineering and the project engineering background really helps us get things um, to a world-class level uh, in, in our brew house, which a lot of people, um, they focus more on getting up and running, but once you're up and running, you, you can't stop improving. So it's always about that continual development of not only your employees and your brewers, but also of the yeast and the bacteria that you use and the equipment that you have. Um, so, you know, that's really what I can bring to the table for our brewery as a with my engineering background 
Yeah, one thing that really interested me in this project from the beginning was um, the interest in uh, developing new yeast strains, uh, capturing what's available and what's being just completely underutilized, or and making something out of it, like further domestication. And what what made you come all the way out of veterinary medicine to brewing? It, uh, having the right beer and the right place, um, really having a, a stout Jackie O's made at the brewery, it, it was kind of like struck by lightning. It pretty immediately changed my career uh, career course after that. Well, when I tasted a lot of Jackie O's stuff, that, that made me want to talk about craft beer all the time. So I guess maybe uh, that's part of what made me want to do something like this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what got you started here. I think we got a pretty good idea of what got you started involved in brewing, Brett, but what got you started here in Northside with the old St. Pius X Church and sort of give me a little idea of, of the journey and, and what, you know, what caused you to want to take on such a massive project to restore a old church and, and the gymnasium building, which is where their brew house is. Uh, just give me a little background on that. Sure. So I'll save all the, uh, convoluted backstory up to the point where we got the property so maybe I'll, I'll back up from like two weeks from when we got the property so uh, we were looking originally at the old metal blast building which is the old Jackson brewery in over the Rhine that building needed and still needs a lot of work it needed a lot of work structurally before people could even get in it to start uh, renovating the place so the timeline for that building and that purchase wasn't matching up with the bank's expectations for our SBA business loan. So that being the case, we were instantly back in the market. So we've been, we were looking around, uh, we saw that Peggy, the previous owner of Queen City Cookies here on this, she owned this parcel and she got bought out by a big national chain. So what we did is we reached out to her and we asked to see the place, we checked it out and it really, the neighborhood fit what we were trying to do and the, the, the space really fit the mixed media usage that we're going for. So it's not just about the beer for us, it's more about the experience that the customers are going to have when they come on site. And this space provides the best experience for our customers, being close to downtown, yet still living in a community that, that's so wonderful and accepting and embracing of the arts and culture like Northside. And it just fit too with the beer styles, um, being the sour and the wild ale focus. And, and really, I guess it was more kind of, we kind of lucked into it and everything fell into place for us quite beautifully. Uh, so I'm kind of glad that the old Jackson Brewery didn't work out because if it did work out, we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't have had the opportunity to seek this neighborhood out and, and really find out what it has to offer us. You know, uh, a lot of the, again, I, just because Braxton's so fresh in my mind, I haven't spoken to them, uh, but, but a lot of the new breweries that seem to be coming online are about their community. Uh, I mean, one of the best examples, I think, in the area is Old Firehouse down in Williams, Williamsburg. Uh, they've got, you know, they're in the Old Firehouse downtown, you know, and he said they're even changing minds down there about craft beer and what it can be and, and, and what it can be all about. And then I guess a lot of times the brewers themselves want to come in and change people's minds about about a neighborhood and, and that's uh, that's to a lot to their credit wouldn't you think absolutely it it really says something about what a brewery and what neighborhoods are capable of how they both seem to embrace each other and the craft brewing community is one of those businesses where i feel they're on the forefront of community involvement 
and pushing things for, um, from a sustainability standpoint. And neighborhoods really appreciate that, and, and it shows. Now, Josh, you were at Mad Tree, is that correct? Listerman's, that's right. And, but what got you involved with Brett and with uh, Urban Artifact? Uh, I really, I read an ad and, and looked up um, where this building was, and um, they it just, it just seemed really appealing. Um, as far as uh, when I interviewed, I, I got to learn more about what their plans were as far as uh, using wild yeast and, and wild collection yeast and uh, sour beers, and it's, it's just completely new. It's, it's, it was a big challenge. Tell me a little bit, I mean, I guess there are some home brewers and people that are really interested in craft beer out there that know and understand the process of collecting wild yeast and what that what that entails. But tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I, that's just fascinating to me. I know it's just you put out a pretty much put out a Petri dish and hope that something lands on it. But then where does it go from there? Uh, really, we keep the jars and then uh, keep track, like watch them. And ones that develop mold or weird growths are eliminated. And then ones that don't necessarily smell like what we're going for um, are also eliminated. And the ones that we keep, which has been about, what, 10%? Yeah, it's probably 10. Um, are then put into larger, uh, are used to inoculate larger vessels um, of wort. And we'll grow a pitch suitable for um, a barrel from that. I was interested uh, in looking at a uh, uh, web item about Sam Adams, that they've got a wild yeast where they're actually doing it, I guess, Belgian style, which is the open vats, and they just hope whatever whatever lands in it. Is, is that something you're going to try, or is that something you're already doing? Or So I, I don't know if they actually do any... Um spontaneous fermentation but i believe they do open open top fermenters uh which that's a whole other thing onto itself but we i don't have any current plans for us to do any open top fermentations we will be doing spontaneous fermentations though um and the key to those really isn't so much letting your work cool exposed to the air at night it's really about what you have in your barrels ahead of time so while that spontaneous fermentation being exposed to the atmosphere, it brings in all those wonderful bugs and bacteria that add to that little micro universe that's in each barrel, having a nice, good um, climate uh, microflora, having a nice set of microflora in the barrel already is really what drives it. If you have a bad community that lives in the barrel, bringing in a little bit of good stuff ain't going to help. Um, so it's really about establishing those cultures ahead of time. How do guys from Ohio learn to do this what is the what how you know is it is it again the chemical engineer and the scientist and you josh it basically and books and or did you go someplace to learn or well i got a while i was a project engineer for cargill i got a second degree in brewing science and technology from the institute of brewing and distilling i did the the remote course um and then took the test um it was yeah, man that was a bear it was a three-day test four hours each day uh, extremely tough, but that's how I did it. And then also just tons of reading, reading every, getting our hands on everything we could, and then just trial and error at home before we went pro. Um, just and that's the beauty of of the yeast collection too. Is it? It's just trial and error. You put out a bunch of vials, then you you stack the deck in your favor. So you get the pH below 4.5. You get you hop it to about five to 10 IBUs, and all those things help prevent like enteric bacteria from taking over, and then. The, um, the IBUs prevent lactobacillus from just running wild, so that way you can actually get some yeast in there as well. Uh, so you stack the deck in your favor, and then you just pick what you like. It's, it's quite beautiful. And then th that goes 
probably to my next question, which is, and we've had a lot of our listeners interested interested in what the process is of developing a recipe. And I think this goes to, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your process? Sure. So it's a little bit different for each type of beer. So if we're talking like our mixed culture sours, it really, uh, and we pulled this kind of from a lot of bigger, more famous and popular traditional sour producers, namely, for example, New Belgium. So what they do and what we do here is we have our, what we call our base, our palate beers. And that is kind of your main souring beer that you use to then blend in and around uh, all the other sour beers. So you pick something that's more focused on unmalted grains, whatever grain of choice you choose. And then what we're doing is we're doing one light base and one darker base. And then from there, because the base is, is relatively unoffensive, there's really not a lot going on uh, flavor-wise. You know, you keep the, the caramel malts out of it and you keep it just really toned down. Well, then you start peppering in all these other barrels full of your more experimental stuff. Maybe something that has high in roast or maybe something that has, you know, 20% caramel malt, caramel malt. Or maybe something that is a mix of roast malts and caramel malts and, you know, specialty base malts. And then when you have those other minor players that act as highlights or your, your flavor, you can take your base, and it's much in the same way you develop a, a grain recipe. You take your, your base beer, and then you add your flavor and your accent beers on top of that to create something truly unique. So it's all about getting a nice, solid base that you can work from. Uh, and that's for the traditional, the traditional sours. Almost like a blending a whiskey, almost. Yeah, yeah a lot like blending whiskey. Let's talk about what your facility is, what the capacity and all that, all that sort of thing is. What do, you, what do you guys plan it? Absolutely. So we have a 30-barrel brew house. It came from Alpha Brewing Operations out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, it's fully automated, and we have the capability of producing just over 5,000 barrels this first year. And we have the room and the capacity in this facility to produce almost 50,000 barrels. That would make things extremely tight in here, and we'd be pushing the brew house as hard as it could essentially go. Um, but we have the capacity for that. And the nice thing about our, our micro neighborhood within Northside is on pretty much all three sides of us, there's empty buildings uh, that are waiting to be rented out. So as soon as we start outgrowing our space from a barrel standpoint and um, just really from a cooperage standpoint, we can start putting it just right across the street and then that way we can go and get things as we need and, and it's all right here in our neighborhood. And what are the what are the plans for distribution? Are you going to self-distribute? Do you have a distributor? Or are you interested in getting around to the various bars around Cincinnati and some of the other tap rooms? So we do have a distributor. We're going with Cavalier Distribution. We'll be putting around uh, 200 plus or minus barrels into distribution initially until our tap room uh, sales kind of evens out for us and we know what we can uh, safely put out to distribution without running our accounts dry or our tap room dry. So we'll do about 200 barrels initially in distribution. We'll only be in Ohio. Um, we'll eventually get into Northern Kentucky, but that's a whole nother thing because then you gotta pull in a new distributor and um, you know, with the way that distributor contracts are anymore, uh, we don't want to jump the shark, so to speak, on that. So we'll stick in Ohio. We'll stick actually just within greater, the, the, not even within greater Cincinnati, but Cincinnati proper initially. So you'll slowly see us expand out from there uh, in draft accounts. And then hopefully within a year or two, we'll be in bottles. And I don't know whether you're the guy to ask this or not about the, about the mixed use of the space because you're going to have the tap room in the basement, mm -hmm. uh, full bar down there. Yep, full bar. 
and then you're going to have a, a exhibition and entertainment space sort of in the what was what was the sanctuary i guess what was the main part of the church uh is you know what can you tell us about that is there going to be a bar up there is it going to have uh your beer plus alcohol uh, drinks and so forth yeah so um i guess i'll just give you a nice little overview of what we plan for the whole the whole space actually so we have just under an acre we have like 0.99 acres of land and a small portion of that is going to Gaia's Oasis, where they're putting in this beautiful showcase permaculture brewery garden. And we'll be growing things there, herbs and fruits and vegetables and hops and things that we can use in our beers for taproom sale only. Uh, and that will be a lot of fun to use on our pilot system. In addition to that, we have the second floor of the rectory, the old priest home, rented out to Groundworks Mill Creek, a local nonprofit working on restoring the Mill Creek watershed, which was in horrible shape 30 years ago but it's getting much better uh, on the third floor it's currently open and we're looking at potentially putting in a co-working space up there on the first floor we'll be leasing that to a local restaurant which I can't say much more than that but we do have someone that is going to begin work very very soon and that should be done by the time we're open as well in between the rectory and the church we'll have a nice outdoor beer garden and an outdoor music stage that way we can have shows outside during the nice weather. You can hang out outside if you want. And then that way when we have uh, street festivals here in Northside, which happen almost every other weekend during the summer, we can get involved directly with that. Inside the church on the first floor or the, the ground level floor, we'll have our tap room and music lounge. So the tap room part will have a full bar. So we'll serve wine, local wines. We'll have some local spirits as well. And of course, uh, a litany of our beers, uh, 10 actually, two of which will be on nitro. And then we'll have two non-alcoholic offerings as well. Uh, and then on the other side of that tap room, we'll have our music lounge. So we'll, depending on the show, we'll bring in a little cafe seats and you can sit and listen to some nice jazz. Or we'll move them out if we got a big rock show coming in and we'll really jam out down there. Uh, directly above that in the old sanctuary, huge space. We have room for over just over 500 people up there. And the current plan will be to have a bar up there. Um, and then in addition to that, we'll rent it out for events. Um, we already have people interested in weddings, um, parties, all sorts of things. But also the greater plan is to use that as a means to bring in larger regional bands, shows, uh, have live theater in there, all sorts of fun stuff uh, that needs a bigger, if not more serious um, stage like atmosphere than down in the tap room. So we got tons of, tons of works uh, going on for this space. All again going back to being a big part of the community like so many of these craft breweries are these days absolutely and i'd like to say also that we have a strong partnership with all of our local community people as well uh, just kitty corner to us we have chase elementary school who's been fantastic uh, we've been working closely with them uh, the fire department is also right next door and every week we pay all of our employees one hour of paid time to go and volunteer so you know, every, like every Friday, for instance, Josh will leave from 12 to 1 and he'll go volunteer at SPCA um, on our dime. And not only does that get him out in the community and get him volunteering, but, it, you know, it's, it's also good. It's good for the, our business. And I think it's good for our employees, too, because it it really helps. Um, it really helps fulfill you. Uh, volunteering has a way of fulfilling someone more so than just working for money does. I can't imagine there's any better neighbor than the Cincinnati Fire Department. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's good to have those guys on hand. I asked the guys at Braxton this, and I'll ask both of you guys um, that, I mean, what is your definition of success for Urban Artifact? 
and I'll, I'll start. Josh, I'll start with you, and then you can think about it for a minute if you. Oh man, um, I guess being accepted by the community. Well, I mean, what what else can success be besides being supported by the people for whom you were brewing the beer? I mean, I. I, I that, you hit the nail on the head. That's beautifully said. I, I got nothing more to add. I mean, what else could you? What else could you possibly add? I mean, yeah, I mean, financially, I mean, we need to stay afloat. But other than that, as long as we're living comfortably, if we're, if we are pillars of the community, then we've done our job right. That sounds terrific. Um, I can't think of any better way to end it. Brett Coleman, Baker, and Josh Elliott, thank you for your time. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. They uh, released a, a, a list of what they are going to have on tap this Friday. And uh, in addition to the four beers we've discussed, they're also going to have some variations and some variants. And uh, you have some information on that. There's there's some really neat stuff. I mean, they're, they're three... Um... There are three standby beers that I think they're going to have on tap at all times. Are you know two of the ones we've tasted tonight: that Finn and the Harrow, the Goza, and then the uh, the the Berliner Pale Ale. They've also got that Maze, which is the Kentucky Common, um, which is a, a corn based. Um, I think it uh, a Colonel Plug from Listerman's a few years back was a, a Kentucky Common, and that's the only other one that I've ever even seen around. So. They've got the Kodiak, which we tried tonight. Um, they're also going to offer that with um, Deeper Roots Coffee in it, which, tasting this, I mean, I'm, I'm almost getting some coffee with it. We talked about that right. before. but So I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what that's like with the coffee. Um, then they have um, three more uh, real limited ones that they are, I think they're kind of one-off beers is the impression I got. Um, the one called Shoehorn, which is a brown porter. Um, Axel, which is a barrel-aged wild yeast red IPA. Wow. Hmm. I can't even begin to describe what, what I think that tastes <laughs> what like. What could that possibly be? <laughs> but I can, I can say that I want to try it. So um, Then they've also got the uh, Thoroughbred, which is um, a Kentucky Common barrel-aged with Brettanomyces. Um, so, again... Don't really know what that's going to taste like, but I'm excited to try it. Uh, they did not, I guess, go for the... I did another little short interview with them when I was able to uh, try the Harrow for the first time. And they mentioned that there would be some uh, tequila and lime involved with the Harrow at some point. I guess they did not get around to that for this and that, and that could go be a, around, That could but, be a barrel, too. That could right. be something that they right. got right. Um The nitro beer is the other thing we forgot to talk, or I forgot to talk oh, yes. about. They, um, they're going to put that, the Maze, the Kentucky Common, and the Kodiak, this tart brown, um, will be on nitro. So they got ten taps of I, very I'm, different I'm beers. I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get a hold of the the uh, the, the, the Maze. I, right. I'm, I was really interested to try that after hearing their description of it, they seem to be putting a lot of, uh, and it's got a lot of rye. I think Josh said it was a, it's good, it was going to be over, it was going to be forty percent rye, thirty percent corn, something like that. 10%, I didn't hear that. Ten percent um, of the uh, of wheat. So the last I had I had heard an interview with, I don't know if it was with him or with Brett, but um, somebody said they did not like rye, and so they kind of implied that they weren't going to do a lot of rye beers, but. Um, that's that's interesting. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I I would assume that's some sort of classic recipe. 
and he he did mention too in the one in the first interview we 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 heard that the uh, that he felt that the the grain bill was akin to something that would be made into bourbon. Right. So uh, I you know so we'll I mean you know we'll find out we'll find out this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and one of the, go ahead. Did you have something? Uh, one of the things that we were going to discuss was too was there. They're club programs, and they're very unique, and especially that Explorers Club with that fantastic uh, stoneware stein just, just looks fantastic. I'm, I'm, I lean towards the Sovereign Club, which well, is something I've never seen done before. It's, right. um, it's not free beer. You know, that has to be made clear. Right, they, right. You are pre-purchasing 27,500 ounces of beer for the year. That's a lot. Of beer. A year? It's like for the year. And a mug to drink it. Right? Um, <laughs> I actually don't know if the Sovereign one comes with a mug. I bet, bet there'll be a lot of guys that get that down there in December. You'd really get in trying to get going on that. My birthday's coming up it's, in June. Right. It's $1,000 for that yeah, one. Yeah, guess what? You haven't gotten a $1,000 birthday gift in your life. <laughs> Um, maybe maybe add it up. Yeah, start. maybe add it up to a thousand. <laughs> they said that it equals out to about four beers every day and a growler a week, cost wise. <laughs> like to, 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 <laughs> right. that's, the, that's the, the, so the, much the, the well, not not cost wise. I'm sorry for, for the twenty seven thousand five hundred ounces of beer. I don't I, I don't so know the math cost to wise. Four beers a day and a growler a week to in run order to, to get your to run out of beer that you've prepaid to run out of the... okay. not to make it worth your while to, to run out of, <laughs> sure. of so for them to say so for them to cut you off <laughs> so okay all right solid um that's that's the big one which we kind of probably sort of should, should have started at the smaller one but that's uh-huh. the fun one to me yeah, the, the, right. the stein club is the middle one which is where you get that uh stone stein with the um from uh funky fire darts i think is yes what they're I called. Believe that's correct and um you get uh, it's a 20-ounce stein. Um, you get a couple dollars off of a growler fill, 20% off any merchandise you buy, um, a special, you know, a, a stein club party. Right, and you get um, that stein filled every time. So they're right. normal pours, 16, it's a 20-ounce stein, and you get that stein poured every right. time for your, as part of your winter. Now, that's more, that'd be more speed for your birthday, 150 <laughs> bucks. If you give me 50 bucks, I might be able to... <laughs> I might be able to go get that for you. Well, now I think it also makes sense to to do it in combination with their 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 lower level club, which is the um, the Explorer Club. It's fifty dollars, and that gives you six of their um, first run of bottles. You know, whatever those first six releases that they're going to have are, which we don't really know what they are yet. You know, be it Lambics or whatever they are, um, which those are going to retail for fourteen or fifteen dollars a piece. Um, so for fifty dollars, you get six of those. Um, and they're all wild yeast. I think they're doing um, 200 people limited into that. Everything one. they're going to do is, is is wild yeast, right? Which is amazing. It was I, I saw Scott, especially his eyes kind of rolling and kind of kind of smile on his face, and of course, Gnome too. When they were these guys were talking about the the really inside baseball stuff, the really inside brewing uh, process. How they make their decisions, how they do the, the 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 wild cultures, how they do all of that stuff, and it was really it was really interesting, and it was you know something for uh, especially the home brewers out there that that uh, are in our audience to really uh, take note of and, and try to try to understand. I 
it's you know, fascinating. I, I was, <laughs> you know, I love science, but I was I was never you know I was more the earth sciences, not a, like a biology or anything like that. But even at that, it's amazing just to think that that it's all it's all out there. It's, it's all everywhere. out there in the air. Yeah. Well, and it really was a view behind the curtain. I mean, you you got they really went into pretty good detail as far as some of the real intricacies of what they're doing. I think it's so neat to know that, you know, they had, you know, some of those jars up in that bell tower, that church, collecting, you know, wild yeast from around. Like, that's just, that's the neatest thing ever to me. It's Right. Um, and if they started to smell or right, mold, right. 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 Yeah. I can see they're all away. sitting there I mean, sniffing their jars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does this yeah, smell good or this. disgusting? It just smells like a uh, locker room. I don't I know. I what happens that. if you set one up in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Come out of it. Well, if they set it up in this house, it'd be dog hair and... Yeah. All sorts of things like that. So, um, really, again, really struck to uh, by just the discussion of and importance of uh, community to these uh, to the and, and to a man from everyone that we talked to and everyone that I've talked to since you know. I, I, I mean, even in my travels in New Mexico and. And Florida and different places like that, where I've been able to uh, sample and enjoy craft beer, it's an awful lot about the neighborhood and about the people and about the uh, even the jobs and things like that that can come from having something like a, like a craft brewery in the neighborhood. Uh, you know, they're well, so, they're so unique to me in that. They aren't just catering to beer people. Well, I guess you can't say that everybody is just catering to beer people, but they are really from from the get go trying to form some kind of community that pulls different communities together into one space, be it artists or be it you know music people or beer people, and that trying to get them all together and into this one community space, which is. It's. I think it is unique from what other people are doing. It's you know everybody's building a community, but. Um, I think they've got this this big grand vision that I don't think everybody else had from the get go. I think everybody else is kind of figuring it out as they go along. Whereas this is the first one to pop up where they are they're they're building something really big from the ground up. And that's that's fun to see. Right, exactly. And it's it's I was listening to it thinking this is so much more than a brewery. A brewery and the beers are just the tip of the iceberg. It's really about creating an event space that like you said, Noam, can actually bring everybody from the community into one place, right. artists, drinkers, um, you know, what have you, and um, really kind of rallying around Northside as a neighborhood and just Cincinnati as a city. Um, it's really going to be, it seems like it's really something special. Like a destination, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the ancillary uh, items as far as the food and the art and the music, and um, they're looking to not only put a product out there that is not homogenous, uh, but the they're surrounding it with a, a bunch of other eclectic uh, artistic uh, endeavors that will will make a creative whole. I mean, they're not talking about you know a, a you know a, a, a Coalish and a and, and a Cincinnati and a bowl of Cincinnati chili here. They're talking about something quite different. I'm curious to what the uh, the restaurant going in there mm-hmm. is. Uh, if they can do something, you know. Can I tell you something? With the beer. He told me, but I, he didn't want me to say anything about it, so I forgot. So I can tell you off the off air 
if I could remember, but I'm an old SOB, so I can't I can't remember which one he told me. It's a well known restaurant. It's a well known Cincinnati restaurant. People who hear the name will go, oh wow, okay, and uh, it looks like a pretty big. The, the rectory over there looks like a pretty big house, so there'll be plenty of room right. for you know their, for the operation. So, but uh, and then. Right now, there's a little, I guess, uh, some cinder blocks. With I, I, I'm imagining they're going to have a fireplace there at right. some point. But it, it, there's so much potential for that. Uh, for the beer garden. For that yeah. beer garden too. That just sounds like it's going to be. That looks like it's going to be something else out there. Especially with the uh, the outdoor stage, which you mentioned, which I hadn't heard before. I mean, it makes sense, but I hadn't heard them mention that before. But. They've got plenty. You know, they've got plenty of room. And and, and, and again, their their brew house is is the old. Uh, school gymnasium, which is it's huge. I mean, a picture a school gymnasium. That's about what size it is. They've got part of it walled off, and with their brewing operation, and, and sort of the other part of it with uh, storage and stuff like that. But they they'll be able to to change that around and 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 expand it and so forth when they uh, if if and when when I think more more likely they need to expand. So. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about their particulars. Uh, so they're going to open Friday, and I believe uh, with a with a happy hour, I guess probably around five, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I, I, they probably start earlier than that. I haven't I seen any information about that, so you probably know better than me. I, I don't know. I should have asked. Got, I would just assume that certainly open for a happy hour. All that they've posted <laughs> on Facebook right now is um, that they've got music at nine. So. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I, uh, I I will definitely have something posted this week to let people know about it. And um. and then we're fortunate enough, being in the brewing media, <laughs> which sounds so weird, that we're going to get to go to the uh, soft opening on uh, the 23rd, which is Thursday night. Right. And so we'll get a shot again ahead of everybody else on the rest of that 10-tap lineup, including the maze. Uh that that uh, before before the general public, which will be nice, uh, and um, I hear they're going to have a food there that night and music and so forth that night too. So it should be really interesting, and uh, we'll talk about all of that next week on our show. So I'm excited to see the space. I think uh, I think it's going to be neat. What else is going on? So we've I think we've we've talked about uh, those and 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 again, let me offer my. Uh, Profuse thanks to uh, Brett and Scotty and Josh and Dominic and all the guys over it. And I know I missed one. There's five. Uh, I think another Scotty, actually another Scott. Um, uh, and all the guys over at Urban Artifact, they were so kind with uh, the beer. Uh, I also got an urban. We also got an Urban Artifact growler today, which was very kind to them as well. So uh, we want to give them a special thanks. Uh, friends, friends forever, friends of the show forever, Absolutely. which which is uh, fantastic, and um, and we wish them the best of luck and go down there. I mean, if you like, if you like beer, you'll like it. If you like sour beer and tart beer and, and stuff that's a little bit off center, as Scott said, you'll love it. And I was again down there today and looked inside. There's some really, you know, without giving too much away, let's just say that they're utilizing the wood floor 
from the gymnasium in a very interesting way. They've been and, posting a lot of stuff yeah. on Facebook as construction goes. And there's, yeah. some, there's some neat pictures there, even on there that I think people and, can see. And, and if any of you were educated in a Catholic, um, in a Catholic elementary school uh, or spent a lot of time in the basement of a Catholic church uh, from, say, 1955 to 1980, you'll recognize the building <laughs> right off. Because it's got this, this, one of those four-by-four four or four-by-six tile, you know, yeah. tiles with the mortar in between them. That's, that's what's all over, in, especially in the, uh, in the men's room and so forth like that. So, and uh, when, we go, when, I go on, uh, when I go on Thursday, I'll take a camera, take some pictures, we'll put them up I'll on the uh, website. No, we'll have it too. on uh, gnarlygnome.com. And um, we'll, we'll be tweeting stuff out from there on Thursday and, and that. So, uh, But once again, good luck to the guys at Urban Artifact. It was, a, it was a great interview with those guys. Fantastic beer. We're really enjoying it tonight. And, um, and good luck to them on their venture. What else is going on in the world of craft beer? We've given the Urban Artifact about an hour and 20 minutes. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit in the time we've got left here, about the next 20 minutes, about... Or, you know, give or take uh, on some of the stuff that's going on. What else is going on in the, in the world of craft beer? We've got to mention um, Citra High. We, uh, we tasted, you know, Galaxy yes. High uh, oh. a couple <laughs> weeks ago. The uh, Citra High release date is the 30th of this month. So, um, what? That's a little, man, over, man little over a week. High. A little over yeah. a week away. So, that's, uh, and that'll be in cans at the brewery, too, and then in stores. Um, I think they said the Monday after that was when you'll see the cans start and pop up in stores. It's going to be another big one. I've mentioned it. I've mentioned it on this show before. I drank a whole bunch of those bad boys one day, and it was it was it was wonderful. They are it was so so good. good. It is just so good. Um, I wanted to do you know I wanted to do a a show down there on their on their release if they were going to do a Sunday, but we. I think it's a. Thursday? Yeah, it's a Thursday, Thursday. night. Um, and it, it'll probably be uh, probably pretty busy all day, I would, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. People are going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would think so. I'd ask for the day off work. And then you've also got um, this week on Wednesday, Insurrection from Rivertown um, is being released in the brewery, um, which I haven't had a chance to try that one as much as I have Citra High, so I can't tell you how good it is, but from what I hear, it... Uh, uh, I think it was described as smack you in the face hops that doesn't have a um, cloying sweetness afterwards. So it's a clean, refreshing kind of um, similar, so similar big, to Citra High. Another big citrus kind of IPA for summertime. So that, um, the big thing about that one is it's uh, Bombers for for four ninety nine, which is wow. Um, you know, they did the same thing with Death, which. I love seeing the way that they're they're doing their pricing with their cheap six packs and the uh, the cheap bombers. So that's a nice price point. Yeah. And then um, as far as this weekend goes, we have Urban Artifact on the twenty fourth. That's Friday. We also are going to have the Listerman Stark Beer Fest that's this right. weekend. Um, which a little bit of history about the Stark Beer Fest is that the monks created higher gravity beers to help get them through the fasting of Lent. And so this Stark Beer Fest, I think, I know they did it last year. I can't remember if they did it the year before that, but they've done it sort of to coincide with the end of Lent or kind of around Easter time. 
um, just to kind of celebrate these, you know, big, kind of strong winter beards. Um, and so it's a little bit later this year, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, I always have a great time at the Listerman's festivals. Um, there's so much to try, you know, so much to try, so much to choose from. So, um, so yeah, just a couple of days of awesome beer. They have that, um, that Holtman's donut beer, which, uh, what is that? Is that 50 West? Is that the 50 West? West? Yeah. That, I, that I cannot wait to try. <laughs> well, that's one of the, you know, if I have a mild criticism of, of the Listerman festivals is you get excited about going and getting something that's a one-off like that. Right. And if you're not there at the right time, then you time get, yeah, if you're not there at the right time, you get there late or whatever, or even early, you get there before they tap it. You know, and, and then you get drunk. And, and then you're drunk by the time by the time they tap it, you're all you're all you're all done. So uh, uh, I don't know, however, if they I know they do a lot of that for the Oktoberfest, but I don't know if they're going to do a lot of that this time. It looked like they had a pretty solid list of just of, of beers and and. I mean, I, I was surprised. It seemed to me like a lot of them were some some of the beers that were out of the main rotation of a lot right. of the places. So, but I appreciate that, right? Exactly. Even if even if some of these breweries don't have a big giant beer, that they can still participate my, and still be uh, of the Berliner um, part of this, uh, the community. I guess you know we are still drinking this this uh, Urban Artifact beer, by the way. Are you and, drunk? No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I did. I have ranked them though. I think the Goza followed by the uh, Berliner Pale Ale, which surprises me, and then the Brown. I think that's my one, two, and three. I'm gonna switch them. The Berliner is my number one. You know, really. The, another thing that is good to mention about about being drunk. I don't think I don't know if the Kodiak comes in that, but none of these are big. Heavy no, they're not huge beers. beers. No, I, I think pretty sessionable. I, I think that said the Kolsch was four point three or something like that, or not the Kolsch, the um, the, Goza. the the Goza was four point three. three. Yeah, and the Finn is five four, but I don't, I don't know what the Kodiak is. But all full flavored. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. You don't feel like you're getting a watered down beer at all. Just, yeah, I don't want to sit in the sun and drink. Yes, yeah, light, light enough, light enough and refreshing to be consumed. You know. Regularly and and somewhat heavily and especially in the heat of the day. Right. There's nothing even the brown. I mean, like I said the, earlier, the brown is you'd think hmm, it's a little thick, a little heavy, but this is this is light and clean. I mean, it's. it's I want these beers on at the ballpark. It's perfect. Don't get me, you know, don't get me started <laughs> on the ballpark again. I tried to call those guys Good too luck. before. <laughs> I tried to call those guys too before our last show, and I uh, got. Radio Silence, uh, the guys at uh, Delaware North Sports Service down to ballpark. So just ask. I wanted to ask, is there anything different? Is there anything new? And there really isn't. Uh, just a little less craft. Just a little less craft, yeah. And, uh, and I was, I didn't even know, I, I didn't even remember who it was, but I got in a, a Twitter thing with somebody last year. Uh, where I in a Twitter thing. Yeah, you know how you get in the Twitter thing. With uh, somebody last year, <laughs> with somebody last year that, with it, with it being the All Star Game, there should be an All Star craft beer absolutely collaboration. Uh, 
Well, the collaboration was one idea, but just maybe even have uh, have a little ballot at the at the brewery district and some of the other places around the ballpark where they serve craft beer of you know the you know the best the best from around the league as it were the, you know I mean San Diego and Denver and and Seattle and mm-hmm. and and you know have huge have huge you know things to choose from and you know and maybe um uh oh i don't know atlanta or uh you know miami or although everybody's all those cities i just named are and incredible craft beer cities i mean miami's got great craft beer tampa's got great craft beer uh and just get one from each from one from each town you know to represent each team in the league maybe 30. 30 breweries? Yeah. We saw what happened that, with Black Tart. That's his... <laughs> well, I, again, I'm not saying... <laughs> not we not did say, not need 30, 30 breweries collaborating on a, on a beer. I'm not saying a collaboration. I'm saying, for instance... Oh, it I also doesn't have to be one beer. San, <laughs> yeah. uh, San Diego will give us... Ballast Point, yeah. Oh, got it. We'll get, uh, you know, I don't know. Do we want? Do we want Goose Island from Chicago? Mm. Uh, maybe you know. <laughs> old style. Sweet, old style. <laughs> old style. <laughs> Sweetwater from Atlanta, you know, and on and on down the list. I mean, I just think it would be a terrific thing to be able to set something like that up. Yeah. Uh, even if you didn't even do it at the ballpark, even if you did it in town as sort of a, uh, you know, a sort of an ancillary event. Uh, for people that are interested in craft beer to do uh, to do somewhere somewhere in town, I mean a place that's big enough to do something like that. It's just in a, in a sheer size sense would be Rheingeist. They have the room. They could set up thirty. Mattree could probably I'm, do it too. I'm they pretty sure set... the logger house right there has got enough taps that they could change over all their guest taps. Yeah, to... yeah, that's true. But uh, so there there's your challenge, and I would be happy to be on some sort of staff for that, <laughs> some sort of. Uh, club committee uh, collaborating you know I'll make a few phone calls uh, to some of these different breweries around the country I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get a or aren't getting a collaboration beer from, from Cincinnati breweries for uh, the all-star game which yeah. I guess anything could still happen but it's not looking too promising for uh, it on uh, the uh, subject of collaboration on at Madtree right now is their collaboration with Breckenridge you guys heard about that um, Breckenridge is a great brewery. Jeff Hunt flew out to Colorado and went and brewed with the guys at Breckenridge. It's a it's called Saison Ridge. It is a Saison w- made with spruce tips, and it's um, it's definitely worth trying. So if anybody's interested in that, it's it's out it's out it's, it's going available. on. Yep, it's, it's in the tap room. It's on. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's also a um, a blank slate collaboration with um, uh, the orchids. Um, oh, I had I, that. Did you have it? Oh, it's fantastic. It's 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 on a par with this. It's on a par with Arrow easily. A uh, little di- little bit different taste profile. Uh, coriander. They put coriander in it, and the coriander right. kind of stars in it. And it's a really good taste, though. It's really nice. I untapped it, and it's it's. I think I was the first one to untap it because I had to I had to load it in and, and put it in. But but uh, yeah, it's really nice. And I'm sure that the, over there, at, 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 I'm, I guess it's on at Blank Slate, it's and on it's Blank on it. I would think it's on at Orchids, right? I would think and so. and uh, I'm sure it's a series too. Yeah, and I'm sure whatever sure. food that they are going to pair it with down at Orchids, uh, man, it's 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 going to be a great 
It's going to be a taste sensation, as they say. So, <laughs> well, and you heard it here first a couple times, the uh, Mount Carmel White IPA. Oh, yeah, you heard it erroneously. <laughs> is that, <laughs> for, is, that uh, is that this is that this week? I understand it's rolling out Wednesday night. Excellent. At all the Dewey's Pizza locations first, though, right? The Dewey's Pizza locations got it first. They got it first, and then it's going to be on at the Mount Carmel Tap Room. And that's a series, too, right? That is a, the series of beers that they produce for the uh, Dewey's Pizza locations. And uh, it, as long as we're talking about ancillary products, I, I thought I would uh, throw a little shout-out to the brew house Dog Bones. Ah, yes. Uh, I, in fact, was in, in contact with, is it Lisa? Uh, and we're going to have we're going to have her on one way or the other. I've actually uh, extended the invitation to her to join us here in the palatial Cincy uh, Brewcast Studios to actually be <laughs> our first in studio guest. It sounds like it's a su- superb, really excellent program. I don't want to give too much away about it, but Scott, you, you know a little bit about it. Well, it's it's made with the the brewery that you buy the dog bones in. It's with their spent grains, and and if we're gonna have them as a guest, I won't give anything more away. But if we're gonna have guests, we probably need to paint the green room. <laughs> <laughs> Something other than the color other than green. Uh, just real quick though, apparent from what she tells me, it, it it's a it's a it's a whole program that they do with especially with uh, I guess developmentally. And uh, physically disabled uh, kids uh, in in the New Richmond School District and the and Marymount School District. Yeah, currently the New Richmond School District is where they actually bake the product. The spent grains are from the breweries. The brewery actually gets the finished product back to sell uh, to retail to the customers. So if you see them out there, uh, please purchase them. And there so, is, I, I I have to mention that there is one brewery, as far as I know, that is giving. 100% of their profits from them back to the program, and that's Old Firehouse, which I appreciate. Um, I don't know what the actual number is. I mean, we'll talk to her about that exactly. when we get around. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and that's the, that's the kind of, and, and look, anybody out there that has a tangential uh, craft beer, yeah, you know, I see. I see all sorts of stuff. I see, I see home brewing kits, and but something cool that I saw uh, popped up on uh, on Twitter and on Facebook last week was it's called B cups. It's a plastic. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. I think a recycled or some sort of plastic. You're gonna cup. see a lot of reviews about those in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so that that uh, that uh, that are IPA shaped like IPA uh, glasses, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's just something that that, come, that came out that a lot of people are in, into right so, now, checking uh, checking those out. So what exactly is it? Uh, just it's a, a cup. Just it's, a plastic it's, cup. It's, it's a beer glass that is plastic, so you don't break it on your patio. Oh, okay. Well, I think that the most important thing is that it gave Mike a chance to say tangential. <laughs> <laughs> and, and B cups. My, <laughs> my, my favorite product that I've that I've seen um, lately. It's um, a koozie for your beer. In the shower, so it suction cups to the wall. Of your <laughs> it's called a shacuzzi. For somebody that can't wait ten minutes, there is nothing better hey, than is, a shower yep. beer after you cut the grass. <laughs> there's, there's, I think I have a post on the blog about that. One of my first posts was the Ode to the Shower Beer. Yep. And it's always a hoodie product too, either 14k or Delight. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's the best shower beer. 14k if you're feeling regal. I'm a, well, I'm a 14k if you're feeling like a king. Uh, I don't know, man. I I used to really 
fire down those bass pale ales. And you know, I went to it's play. Went to play. Yeah, I know, I know. But I went to play golf with my dad last year, and uh, we went to this little bar that he knows about, and uh, and they had the the bass pale ales, and I was I was like, yes, yes, uh, and drank s- several of those down with my hamburger. It's just still some of the <laughs> still some of the best beer you can drink. I'm it's, sorry, it's situational too, and I, I sure. I'm a I, firm believer that I'm not with beer. I, you know, it's untapped. I think is fun because it. It ties you into where you're at when you're drinking the beer, because you put me in one situation and I'm going to drink a whole bunch of Hootie Delight and it's going to be the best beer in the world. In another situation, this Berliner Pale Ale is really good. You know, right. so it just it's depends on what's going on, and that's it's kind of what makes the uh, the experience of drinking fun is it's who you're with and what you're doing that that kind of adds to the beer itself. Well said. And uh, I would be remiss uh, before uh, we go, which we've got about, uh, oh, I don't know, four or five minutes left, that um, our, one of the original four, I guess you can say, uh, Chris Camboris, who has uh, been unable to join us, and part of this is the reason, this is part of the reason he's been uh, unable to join us, because in Cleveland on, I believe it was Saturday, uh, it was, or fr- I think it was it's, Friday, because Friday was great. Last Friday, which was, was uh, April... Uh, f- uh, it was over the weekend. Yeah, Don't over the weekend. <laughs> I don't know specific. On his birthday, no less, Chris Camboris was given a son by his wife, uh, Christ- uh, no, Adonis... Andonis. And, and, and Adonis? Uh, Christophilos something, something <laughs> very Greek. Should have practiced in, that. Incredib- <laughs> incredibly Greek. Uh, and, uh, the baby's fine. Everybody's doing great. Uh, he's a, he's a doll. Uh, some of the stuff is, uh, that we, that he sent us on Facebook. Uh, it's just terrific. So, uh, all the best to, uh, Chris and his wife and their new son. Congratulations. Uh, I know it's not Greek, but Mazel Tov. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and again, I, I say it again, we said it last time, we hope that Chris can come back and join us real soon, he, he brought something, uh, to, to the, to the, to the show that, uh, that we really, uh, that we really liked, so, um, uh, other than that, what else we got, anything else, guys, all right, well, again, uh, you can, uh, find us on Twitter, uh, at Cincy Brewcast, Facebook, Cincy Brewcast is, uh, is the keyword. Uh, Instagram, which we got to we got to get something going on Instagram here. I'm feeling I'm feeling bad that we're not doing much on that, but it's <laughs> maybe it's, if it's, we had more than two Instagram followers, we could we could do well, something. Well, follow us Instagram. on Instagram. So follow us on Instagram at Cincy Brewcast, and Cincy Brewcast is our name on Untapped, and we'll get around to untapping uh, on the Cincy Brewcast account these uh, fine urban artifact beers that we've been enjoying. Uh, and of course, Periscope TV. You've been joining us live tonight, uh, everybody. Uh, out there, we've gotten a couple of tweets, uh, especially my son watching all the way from uh, Athens, Ohio, at Ohio University. His tweet to us, or his text message actually to us, was, if I can get this phone to work, uh, awesome setup. I'm watching your Periscope. This is so cool. So <laughs> when, when your son thinks anything that you do is cool, uh, we appreciate that. Um, we also got uh, favorited live on Periscope from Artifact Brett. Uh, so they, they obviously enjoyed the broadcast tonight on Periscope. So go to Apple 
the iTunes store and uh, pick up the uh, iOS uh, iPhone app for Periscope TV and demand the Android app. I understand it's coming soon, but demand it from uh, the people at Periscope. Gnarly Gnome? TheGnarlyGnome.com and the Gnarly Gnome on all your favorite social media platforms. Tina Cisneros? Uh, Brew River Gastro Pub every day this week. I will be behind the bar, so if you... Um, Sunday, too? You gonna Sunday make brunch. This, gonna make it next Sunday? I'm gonna make it to Sunday brunch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, I will. I, over, I overslept this weekend. <laughs> you didn't um, have to tell everybody that. You brought it up. Uh, Scott Lau? Uh, Thursday night, uh, south with the uh, Grand Canyon Forest. That sounds. Yeah. It's that's perfect time of year to, to support. Oh, and, this, and yeah. you know, just real quick too. There's a there's going to be a a, a, a a barrel, the barrel. Somebody you thought got a barrel. Uh, barrel aged stout in a uh, Jack Daniels barrel. Which I'm not sure exactly when that's going to roll out. But it's it's coming soon. So sure again, our home brewery down there at Mount Carmel. We're really you know. We're, really always keep an eye on what they're doing down there and uh, as for me i'll be keeping it real here at the cincy brewcast studios for everybody that uh, just spoke to you uh, this is mike cisneros you've been listening to cincy brewcast giving cincy craft a voice <laughs>